Police arrive at John Price's home at 8 a.m., and while walking through the backyard to forcibly enter through the rear door, they notice there's a piece of cooked meat on the lawn in front of a white Ford sedan. The detectives collect it for examination. They break into Price's home through the back door, and a house of horrors greets them. The walls were covered in bloody handprints. Later, blood spatter analysts would say the blood patterns were indicative of Price trying to escape as Catherine stabbed him to death. And it's believed he made it outside, that blood that's on the exterior of the house, only to be dragged back in. Oh, my God. We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky. We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And And this this is is Easy Easy Bake Bake Coven. Hi. Hello. How are you? It's been so long. (laughs) It's been so long. How are you doing? (laughs) Can't complain. You got your wine. Got your water. Drinking water. Uh, A lot of water. It's really hot. I'm very dehydrated. mm, I also have drank this whole mason jar of water. So I thought you were gonna say I drank this whole mason jar of wine. I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) You know me too well. So what happened was (laughs) And listen to this episode, it gets got crazy. (laughs) We should actually do that though. Yeah, one episode where it's all in accents. No, no, one where we're both oh. hammered. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one where we're both oh, like absolutely man. shit house. Yeah, we should. Um, that would be really fun and probably very offensive. Oh, yes, very much. It'd be like it'd be like um drunk history, but with true crime. Yes. Is so that what happened with is that bitch uh exactly. uh what's her name? Jody Jody Arias murder boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is really random and I meant to tell you last week, but I forgot and I need to tell you now. Tell me. Okay. Have you ever seen Predator? Um, yes, I have. And did you watch the new one? And apparently it's really good because oh, oh my Matt God. Really wants me to watch it because apparently it's very good. Okay. So Ben made me watch the first one and I was like, the first one is so I'm stupid. sorry to whoever this offends. That was trash. <laughs> when I was dating Matt and like trying to be like cool yeah. before I was like my full self, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll watch Predator. Yeah. Mm, and all the Marvel cool. movies. Cool. <laughs> and now I'm like, absolutely fucking oh no God. way. I just felt like really this good. is a Predator anyway. is like, this is what this is what everyone's yes. been talking about. This is like, yeah. so. and Ben's like, it's the 80s. You got to think of that. It's like 80s. when I watched The Matrix. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually, I thought you about you when I watched it. Yes. I was like, if you had seen Predator yeah. back then, it would have been fine. Maybe if you'd it would seen be really impressive. Yeah, but now, not impressive. Not no, impressive. it does not hold up. So the reason we watched it was so that we could watch the new one, Prey. Watch the new one. Oh my God. Loved it. So it's really good. good. I mean, it has like really good score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, and they used like almost all native actors. Um, and they found like one of the main guys in it. He just he this was his first acting role, and he oh shit yeah. And there's I watch a lot of behind the scenes because you know I love that. And a lot of them are just like nerds. Like the guy who plays the predator is like this six foot seven like basketball player. And like in interviews, he just he's like nerdy cool and um, he's like a little sweet angel. Yeah. And what's so cool is that on Hulu, you know, they have alternate versions of the movie, like like there's you know special things. And one of the alternate versions, you can watch the movie in Comanche, like 
they've overdubbed oh, the whole movie in Comanche. Oh shit! Isn't that cool. dope? Like yeah, I actually totally. kind of wish that the whole movie had been like that they'd actually they spoken in it because I yeah. love that. It, it like puts me in the moment. Um, but cool. it was just so well done. Like it's a beautiful movie. The native aspects of it, like I'd forget that I was in this alien movie because it's just so beautiful. And yeah. she's like this badass bitch who's like coming to save mm-hmm. everybody. It's just so good. Highly recommend. Really great movie. Hottest yeah. take of all. Hottest take. Coming from someone who Maybe did I've, not like the original. Oh my God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to tell Matt that you told me this. And I'll be like, I've decided yes. as like a show a loving of wife to our marriage, I will watch <laughs> no, the Predator just movie say, Just say as a loving wife because you won't be lying because it's to me. You're my wife. Yes. And you love me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love and that. he doesn't Perfect. listen to this podcast, so he won't Does know. No, nope, he'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great plan. That's amazing. Who knew? I know. Who knew? Yeah, it was I, so good. It was really good. Beautifully filmed. Um, oh, and also when you watch it, the predator, the guy who plays him, his head is in the neck of the predator, and he has to look down the whole time. And so the oh, head no. is like, uh, I think it's like remote controlled, uh-huh, but I can't uh-huh. even imagine how fucked up his neck must have been oh after yeah. doing that. No, thank oh, you. Oh, and she like, I think he did all his own stunts and it's just so good. It's so good. It's really good. Crazy. Go see it. Okay, yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it. What news do you have for us tonight? Oh, this is so good. Oh, what? A Bigfoot sighting. Oh, <gasps> Really? Yeah, where is it? Okay, do you want me to text it to you so you can? Yes, I do. I want to see. Watch the video. It's oh, not, there's a video. It's very poor quality. It's a video. This it's, is what makes me go, hmm, that we live in the day we do, and it's still poor quality video. Yes, but it's like a. Is it like a security iPhone. camera or something? No, no. I just texted it to you so you should get in a second. Okay, I got it. It's just they're far away. They're far away. Oh, it is weird. So basically, um, a fisherman, fisher, fisherman, 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 fisherman. I really like this picture in the article. <laughs> Is that picture? I didn't even notice that. Was it Bigfoot, a werewolf, or something else entirely? Amazing. <laughs> okay, the videos at the very top. Okay. Um, so this guy's fishing. <laughs> you like how I just cleverly reword things when I can't pronounce things properly yeah. because I get nervous <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> a man he was said. fishing in Texas, cruising down a river, and they were like, what is, is that a dog? Like, what is that animal? And they start filming because they're like, what the fuck is that? And you can hear them cussing, which I love. Love it. I think it caps, captures an air of mm-hmm. mystery. You know, yeah. And like, they're genuine because they're actually like mm-hmm. reacting the way that I would react. I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Um and so they're like, it's drinking from the river. And they're like, what is that? And then it stands up <gasps> on two legs. And they're like, the fuck? What? Yeah. Okay, I need to find so, I, I need it to load. It's not loading for me. Mm, Let's see. He goes, what the fuck? Is that a dog or what? And then all of a sudden it stands up. And the guy goes, and he's like, holy nope, shit, nope, I got nope. that on video. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you can hear his friend going, what the fuck was that? So I love it. Oh then it's God. gone. Yeah. It just disappears. Yeah. Does it walk away or crawl away or what? Away. It walks away. <gasps> super spooky and also follows the behavior of bigfoot as described in many other accounts of like yes drinking from a river's edge or like standing right. up and walking away it tracks it, it all tracks spooky. yeah um do you not think that bigfoot would have like devised some sort of goblet by now 
Maybe you could just like a chalice, a river just chalice. Really just still cupping your hands together and drinking from the river. Come on, foot. biggie. Like you could just go to a recycle and get a water bottle and fill it with Actually, water. Actually, I'm sure that campers have left many a cup outside many. your lair. Just drink from it, biggie. Biggie foot. He's uh, he's like a granola Vashon mom, all natural. Mm. No mm-hmm. plastics will touch his mouth. I mean, I can't blame him. Mm. We don't need mm-hmm. that shit in our mm-hmm. bodies. Um, interestingly, a friend of mine did 23andMe, and they were told <laughs> they have... Part big <laughs> they found out they were 89% Neanderthal. <laughs> what? And they That's thought... That's gotta be a prank. Yeah, I, well, he thought, like, oh, that must be, like, everyone has that, like, that you resemble 89%. <laughs> nope. And then they looked at other people's, and it was, like, 0.8%. And, like, it showed an, <laughs> in, on 23andMe, like, a little graphic of a little Neanderthal that was, like, zero. <laughs> That's so offensive. I know. It's like, you just got roasted by 23 and me. They're like, you're not quite human, actually. <laughs> you are a primate. You're what we human. all used to be. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. If people experience the uncanny valley when they look at your face, it's because you're not quite one of us. <laughs> you are 89% Neanderthal. Ooh. Oh. Not great. Yeah, not great at all. Um, speaking of not great, we should just get into tonight's episode. <laughs> It's going to be real gnarly. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. This like might be one of the heaviest episodes we've ever oh, done shit. on Easy Bake. And my last week's episode was heavier than I intended it to be. Moppy. Well, okay. Next week, I'll do another like alien butt stuff one. That's for fine. Fun. Yeah. That'll be I mean, fun, fun for us. Not, <laughs> not for the, the guy whose butt was broke. It, but... <laughs> uh, we can all laugh about it years later, though. <laughs> yes. And on our podcast, when we're not affected by the probing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. So... Like, I guess I knew it was going to be heavy when I read the headline, but I didn't realize, like, how heavy it was going to be. So, um, none of the episodes I've done so far made my stomach turn the way that this one did while researching it. So, I will say right now, if you have any plans to have stew for dinner tonight, highly suggest you either wait and listen to this episode tomorrow or when you're done with your leftovers or just, like, change your plans maybe is this a cannibalism episode it sure is (laughs) maybe treat yourself to like a nice dinner out grab a refreshing glass of wine and just reflect how white wine so it doesn't look like blood (laughs) (laughs) to be alive and not incorporated into the evening meal because tonight we're going to be talking about Catherine knight a truly wicked, highly disturbed oh, woman yes. who slaughtered oh, her yeah. lover, John Charles Thomas Price, Ooh. and hid his body in a hearty stew 20 years ago. Made him into a curtain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So disgusting. She's been, oh, I love this. Oh, no, I, I can't say that. No, no. Uh, I am this story highly. It's titillating. <laughs> yeah, maybe not word? even that. You know, it is a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's an allusion to the things she's going to do to his nipples. Oh, yes. Probably. Probably. That is a good segue. Oh, um, <laughs> she is dubbed. So she's from Australia. 
And in some articles, I read that she was dubbed as Australia's Hannah Lecter, as opposed to Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> and I could not agree more. That is a very accurate name. Can nickname. I love that name? I love that name. Yeah, you can, can I, love I that. Love it's not something lambs. she did. It's some. It's, it's who cute. she is. <laughs> yes. It's how we're categorizing Yeah, her. we're going to categorize it like Silence of the Lambs. Fava beans. So as with most murderers and murderesses, is that like, do they, I think we could call them that murderesses. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Catherine didn't have it easy growing up. Um, she was born in Australia. She was conceived in a scandalous affair. And not that being born in Australia means you don't have it easy growing up, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of just slid in there like that. That's all good. Um, her mother, Barbara Rowan, had four boys with her husband, John Rowan. I might be saying their last name wrong, but we're going to go with it. That's um, right. One night he introduced her to his coworker, Ken Knight. And that introduction would lead to this secret rendezvous that resulted in the birth of Catherine Mary Knight. And this rocked the conservative hometown of Aberdeen in New South Wales because both of these families were really prominent and well-known. And so having this kind of, you know, salacious affair just wasn't Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it forced Ken and Barb to move to the town of Maury. Now, when she moved away with Ken, it totally split the family apart. Two of the boys remained with their dad. And then the other two, the youngest of the four, went to live with their aunt in Sydney. So apparently when you have an affair, you can't even be a mom anymore. Like, no, Uh. not happening. Um, But maybe that was a good choice because, as we'll see, Mm -hmm. Barb made some very poor choices as a mother. Uh. In 1955, Barbara and Ken became pregnant. So now this is her fifth Wait, Barbie and Ken? Barbie and Ken. Oh my God! I didn't even think of that. I never put that together before. <laughs> I was so in the in the zone. I didn't even think of that. Barbie Barbara. and Ken. Mm. Well, because they're really not very much like. No, I didn't. Barbie I couldn't see any pink other than red no. while researching mm. this story. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, just yeah. shades of red. Mm-hmm. They became pregnant on October twenty fourth, nineteen fifty five, uh, which I must say is pretty close to Halloween. She gives oh. birth to a set of twins, Joy and Catherine Knight, very close to Halloween night. Mm. Mm. things are about to get spooky Spooky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Barbara and Ken would go on to have two more children and in 1959 her former husband Jack the one she cheated on sadly Uh passed away and the two children that he had been raising went to live with her and Ken oh balls so they just got kids up the yeah yeah. they've got like a shit ton of kids and it doesn't stop with these like freaking Barbara is a kid maker. Catherine's a kid maker. Like they're just popping out babies left and right. Mm, no, thank you. But now that Jack is dead, they think it's okay to move back to Aberdeen. Like I guess they figured the scandal was over, which it's mm. not. Everyone still knows what happened, but I guess it's okay yeah. now that he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I read in some articles that Barbara's family, her grandmother was an indigenous Australian who had married an oh. Irishman and she was oh, wow. very proud of this history. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, there was and still is a lot of racism toward indigenous yeah. people. And so yeah. that was kind of like a blight on the family. And it was like a secret no one talked mm-hmm. about. And so some people mm-hmm. think that that kind of created a lot of tension for the family, specifically the children. Like they were kind of ostracized. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't really know why Catherine's mother decided to have an affair with Ken Knight. Um, I'm going to go with your theory and the the term that you coined a few episodes ago that she just had a broken picker. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um this whole happens s- yeah and uh, ken was just a douche a uh, real bad guy mm. um i think this whole story is a very extreme example of nature versus nurture mm-hmm. i think that had she had different parents and different circumstances maybe things wouldn't have turned out the way that they did mm-hmm. um and but who knows maybe it's nature and because she's ken's kid she has those tendencies in her i don't know 
Uh, but yeah. either way, yeah. it did not combination, turn out that well. A really bad combination of both. Yeah. Ken would rape Barbara up to 10 times a day, <gasps> which I don't even oh know how God. that's possible. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, oh, how sad. And even worse than the rape, which obviously is a horrible thing, Barbara didn't try to keep any of it secret from her children. In fact, she would like oh. specifically talk to them about it. Like she would give them intimate details of her sex life. If you can call that a oh, sex God. life, like just a rape yeah. life basically. Yeah. Um, and she would tell the girls how, how much she hated having sex and how much she hated men. Oh God. And later in life, when Catherine went up to her mother to tell her how a partner of hers was pressuring her into sex acts, her mother mm-hmm. tells her just stop it and put up with it and stop complaining. Like, just stop. <gasps> stop complaining oh, about this. God. And I find that anecdote especially odd because, as we'll see coming up, Catherine was the one pressuring people into most things. So <sighs> I, I find it hard to believe that she was ever being pressured. Like a meek. Yeah. yeah there's nothing about Catherine She's Knight a hearty woman. No one's making her mean. do something yes. she doesn't want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there Maybe was she was, like, really young then. Yeah, maybe. Um, There was something you mentioned last episode that reminded me of something I wanted to say here, which was um, you were talking about that show on Netflix that really like sensationalized things with the with the Cecil Hotel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd done a bunch of research for this and read a bunch of articles. And then I watched a show, an Australian Mm -hmm. kind of true crime show. And. I like heard one detail that I was like, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I read. And then I heard another detail that was like, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I read. And it just seems like that's a a constant with TV shows that they're like, we'll just manipulate it a little bit to make it a little juicier, a little bit. So I started thinking like, I'm not going to go with the show as as a means of actual research because it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really adding up, you know, and all these other articles say the same thing, but then your show has this like one little one show has all these. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so sadly, Barbara, Catherine's mother, um, wasn't the only one being abused. Catherine herself was sexually and physically abused by family members until the age of 11. Surprisingly, Ken was not the one doing it. Um, she, I think kind of looked up to her dad, which is really, uh, hard to imagine. Yeah. But she well, really if everyone else sucks. Yeah. And it's like that's your image of normalcy yeah, or something. Right. You know, and she definitely embodies that, as we'll see. But she mm-hmm. really wasn't close to anyone in her life. She had her twin sister, Joy, mm-hmm. and then she had a favorite uncle named Oscar Knight. And apparently he was a champion horseman. Um, oh. But he unfortunately committed suicide in 1969. And that left Catherine just completely devastated. Oh, man. Sexual abuse wasn't the only trauma happening in that household. Unsurprisingly, Ken Knight mm-hmm. was a raging alcoholic, physically abusive. Uh, so all of that coupled together is just like a horrible recipe mm-hmm. for a horrible childhood and a very pained adulthood. The next insight into Catherine's adolescence is very interesting because it makes a lot of sense to who she would become as an adult. When she was good, she was great. Like, Everyone loved mm-hmm. her. She was super charming. Mm-hmm. She was a model student. She got good grades. She got awards for good behavior, which, as you'll see coming up, is oh, just wild. so hard to yeah. imagine. Yeah. But she was the definition of Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, she would just a swip a switch would flip without warning. Rage would take over. Okay. Um, she was known to have assaulted at least one boy in school with a weapon. Oh she herself was once injured by a teacher who had to act in self defense. And when she attended Muswell Brook High School, she became a loner and was known to bully children who were smaller than her. Um, so just like a lot of it's rage. Like, it's like she could um, 
like suppress it yeah and, until she and get by but then yeah but then like her rage would get set off right. and she never learned how to cope with right difficult feelings and all she so saw was her dad out. taking out his rage exactly. yeah, yeah. like that's what you're supposed to do when you feel that right mm-hmm. so sad she didn't stay in school long she actually pulled out when she was 15 and she still didn't know how to read or write <gasps> yeah <sighs> really rough sad she, had, she didn't stand a chance i know not at all um, mm-hmm. She ended up working as a cutter at a clothing factory, and she stayed there for a whole year before taking a position at her dream job, which most of the people in Aberdeen did, which was cutting up meat at the local slaughterhouse. Mm. And like I said, most of her family had had this job, and it had been her dream to follow in their footsteps. As soon as you said dream job, I was like, oh, I remember <laughs> this bitch was a butcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. not just a butcher, but like killing like 600 pigs a day, oh, beheading yeah. them. There were people who said that she loved her job so much and that she was so good at it that she would intentionally nick arteries just to watch the animal bleed out. Like she just loved that. She would walk through the levels of the slaughterhouse just watching different people work, like just standing there. And, you know, at the time they just thought, well, she's just really interested. You know, she's like wants to get to know the different jobs and what other people do. And but no, come to find out she was just like a sick fuck. Um, Maybe one of the most. um. Well, first of all, she went to work there at 16. Like I said, she left school at 15. Went to work there at 16. Like should be against the law. Yeah, like how you know? is a 16-year-old beheading 600 animals a day? Like oh my I God. I just don't understand. Yeah. And she got so good at it that she was promoted to boning, and because she was promoted to boning, she was given her own set of butcher knives. It's like there's a lot of jokes that I can make right now, but given the situation, they are not appropriate to me. Ben was like, I'm telling Ben about this, and he's like, "Well, you guys will just have to make lots of jokes." I was like, "How do we make jokes during this episode?" <laughs> she got promoted to boning. Hey yo. <laughs> That's how we make jokes. That's how. I'm gonna have to make silly jokes. We'll for just be a, a 16 from like the every darkness episode. of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this is like maybe one of the most this is like a such a good insight into who she is and how her brain works. So she takes these butcher mm-hmm. knives, they're her most prized possession. Anywhere she moves, any place she goes to, she takes these butcher knives, and where does she put them? She hangs them over her bed. And when asked Uh -uh. why, it's so that they'd always be handy if she needed them. Mm. Why would you need a butcher knife in your bed, ma'am? I mean, also, I would be so scared that it would just fall off and cut me. Fall on me and hit me in the noggin. Right, right. We've been over this. You cannot sleep with a pistol under your pillow. Or a butcher knife You will shoot yourself. (laughs) Do not do it. Weapons in the bedroom. Not a good idea. Bad idea. Only handcuffs. Just kidding. I'm not Passions run high. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Unfortunately, this is the only, this is only the beginning of Catherine's life choices that make you go, Mm. "Mm." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that the saying is like, we're going from zero to 60 but I feel like we've been kind of like cruising around 20. Catherine's a bit unhinged. So we're about to go from 20 to 100. We're just like flying past 60 Ugly. with this bitch because it's about mm. to get real fucking crazy. Ooh. Catherine was sweet until she wasn't, right? So I guess it's not a total surprise that she was able to find someone to marry her. Uh, this uh, documentary I watched, the uh, one in an Australia I told you about, um, mm-hmm. they did have some really cool footage from when she was young. Uh oh. And you like family videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like super eight Mm -hmm. videos, real to real videos. Um, And I mean, it's you can see how she looked sweet. Like it's just she's in a loving romance. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's just a young kid. So it's crazy to think about, you know, what eventually went down. 
Um, but in 1973, she meets a truck driver by the name of David Kellett. I'm not sure if it's Calais or Kellett, but I'm going to say Kellett. So go for it. He was better known as Shorty. And by all accounts, she totally dominated him. She was a tall redhead. And as his nickname indicates, he was a short brunette. And it's like very significant oh in the videos. Like, oh, like striking. Like, you can notice. Yeah, it. like at least a head difference. Like very, oh, very boy. striking. Yeah. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, good. Well, well actually not good for him. yeah, no, very bad for him. Very bad. <laughs> not so good for him. I know how this ends. Uh, and they were crazy about each other. Literally. Mm. Um, if David got into a bar fight, she was there throwing fists too. She was always there to back him up or beat him herself. She just was a crazy bitch. So they get married in 1974, and if this isn't indicative of her bulldog personality, I don't know oh, what no. is. They arrive at the ceremony on her motorcycle. Oh my god! Please tell me that he's riding on the back. She's driving. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and he's drunk. Her little, her cute little leprechaun just riding yes, on the back. Riding on the back. Yes. Oh exactly. my god! <laughs> I mean, I guess as a modern woman, I'm like, fuck yeah, shorty. Yeah, like. Gender roles are stupid. You do not need to be emasculated. And then the like part of me that's been socialized is like a little bitch you You had what was coming (laughs) he bad but also she's just like a total raging bully it's not like she's like some badass bitch who's just like support women she's like a horrible she's not doing it in a feminist way she's doing it in like a murdery way if you saw a hot chick ride up to her wedding on a harley you'd be like hell yeah fuck yeah bitch yeah and Catherine was a bitch but she was not hot so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's nothing sexy Mm -hmm. about it nothing sexy no and she did not do anything to forward the cause no no she did not she did i guess she brought us up to the standard of men in some in some categories such as heinous crime yes yes, (laughs) heinous crimes committed yes she is on the short list of women crazy killers yeah Mm -hmm. equal opportunities yeah um so she's driving this harley and he's just completely drunk because he's probably thinking i should not be doing this he can't marry her sober he has to be drunk who could with it totally yeah fair enough Um, i get it shorty and even her mother barbara thought this was a bad decision and she offers david these wise words of wisdom which also reminds Mm -hmm. us why Catherine is so fucked up to begin with so this is Mm -hmm. what barbara said the old girl said to me, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. <laughs> who the fuck do you think loosened that screw, Barb? Like, who do you think loosened yeah. it? She didn't come yeah. out that way. Yeah. Can you imagine marrying someone whose mother said, <laughs> she's probably going to kill you? No. 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 I can't. If Ben's mother had said that to me, I would have been like, um, maybe I'm making a huge mistake. Yeah. Like something is wrong here. Something is wrong. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This next bit about Catherine's wedding day just really hones in on how much Catherine internalized her mother's issues. So Mm -hmm. apparently Barbara had told Catherine that on her wedding night, she'd had sex. And this is where facts vary. Some say three times, some say five times. So she'd had sex Mm -hmm. five times on her wedding night. However many times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on Catherine's wedding night, she and David have sex three times and he falls asleep and then wakes up to Catherine strangling him. Because he didn't have sex as many times as she thought was appropriate per her mother's oh, rules. Oh, no. Yeah. It's called an annulment. Yeah. You need to seek one immediately. <laughs> immediately. Sir. I cannot stress the urgency of it. Sadly, he did not get that memo. No. 
I mean, I don't know what bigger red flag there is than waking up on your wedding night with your wife's Being hands around strangled. your neck. Like, don't. And not don't in know. a kinky way. Not in a kinky Yeah, if that's what you're into, that's fine. But Consensual. But he was not consenting. Yes, mm-hmm. not consenting. So at some point, David quit his trucking gig and he decided to join Catherine at the slaughterhouse. Like, I guess, keep it oh, in God. the family. And that really seemed to turn her on what with all the blood and gore and knives and meat. And sometimes oh, she'd just boy. like turn up at the slaughterhouse, which in Australia they call an abattoir. Um, oh, and she'd man. just watch him work. And his job oh, was boy. to kill the pigs with a stun gun. So <sighs> like really, really romantic. Mm, yeah. Over the course of their marriage, surprise, surprise, Catherine became increasingly violent. Um, and one such episode was really horrible. One night, David was out playing darts and he was winning. And so he got home later than the time that Catherine had set for him. And so she oh, was no. so mad about this uh, that he didn't meet her curfew, curfew, that she threw all his clothes in the bathtub, lit them on fire, burned <gasps> all of his clothes except for what he was wearing. And then he walks in the door late and she hits him over the head with a frying <gasps> pan, giving him a fractured skull. <gasps> yeah so horrible he somehow manages to escape and he goes to a friend's place and then eventually to a hospital where they diagnose him with this fra- fractured skull oh my god but and then he goes back home yep ever the jekyll and hyde Catherine is oh now on her god. best behavior begs him please drop the charges don't charge me with anything so he drops them the cops you know <gasps> leave because what are they going to do mm-hmm. and david goes back home and Catherine walks away How a free woman sad. Now, I want to pause here and say, Haley, I know that you've spent some time as an exchange student in Australia, and I'm just wondering if you have any insight into their justice system, because after this story, I have very little faith in it. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, very little. I wonder if it's like Canada. Maybe. Canada's very lenient on crime. Uh, I am very, very very disturbed by the things that this woman is about to get away with. Very disturbed. Yeah. I myself. Yeah. Did you ever get never, arrested? <laughs> I've never spent any time in Australian jails. I've never committed any crimes there. I it's s- funny. I always picture them as very strict. Like when um, when I went there in high school, they have these like speed check things along oh, the really? freeways where like they'll the radar will scan you and then it'll scan you again however many miles kilometers later <gasps> and it'll calculate your speed oh wow so even you can it's not even like a, a speed camera where you slow down on the camera it just knows when you pass average it. speed and do you get yeah. a ticket if you're going too fast yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh truckers will get shit tickets. that sucks yeah so i kind of and like they're really they have really strict rules about a lot of different things so i'm surprised huh. to hear that well uh, yeah i'll be curious this is also there it's also like the 70s so maybe things have gotten a little mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. i think in general they things are a little though, tighter yeah Mm-hmm. Around the whole world, maybe. Mm-hmm. So Catherine gives birth to her first child with David. And I guess this is her mm-hmm. first child altogether. Yeah. yeah. Um, gives birth to, her birth, birth to her first child, Melissa Ann, in May of 1976. Mm-hmm. And... She kind of starts to lose it even more after she has a kid. And David. psychosis mm -hmm, or something. mm -hmm. Uh, I think it just probably escalated the psychosis she Mm -hmm. already had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was not stable to begin Mm -hmm. with. And the hormones. Just made her rage. Yeah. Do not help. And Mm -hmm. David kind of wisens up and he's like, I've had it. I'm leaving. So he leaves her for another woman, which that's fucked up. But not as fucked up as Catherine. And as his mother warned, her mother warned him. 
don't fuck around on her or she's liable to kill you. Mm-hmm. So one day she's seen through town pushing Melissa Ann on her stroller like violently, like back and forth violently in the street. Oh, like shaking her. Yes, yeah, shaking the pram, which is what they call it in all these Australian mm-hmm. articles. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's it's bad enough that they, you know, come and stop her, grab her, take the baby and put her in um, St. Elmo's Hospital, which is, you know, a, a medical hospital or a um, psychi- psychiatric Mental. hospital. Uh-huh. And like you said, they diagnose her with postpartum depression and she's released after a short treatment. And of course, postpartum is a very real thing. There are more than 3 million cases in the U.S. per year and I'm sure yeah. even more that go undiagnosed. But I don't know that that was the main thing that Catherine suffered from. Like, I think like yeah. you said, it was like an... A, it was an exacerbation yes, of it made it worse. Issues. But like there's a lot more yeah. going on that just a, yes. a little stint in the hospital isn't going to yep. fix. Totally. Um, and almost immediately after her release, she takes two-month-old Melissa and places her on a railroad track minutes <gasps> before the train is set to arrive. Oh, my God. And then she takes off goes into a neighbor's backyard, finds an axe, and starts wielding it through town, threatening to murder people. A girl's banana sandwich crazy. Yes. Miraculously, a guy that they call Old Ted was like foraging near the train tracks. And here's a baby crying. Yeah. Thank God for Old Ted. Here's a baby crying and rescues (gasps) Melissa Ann right before the train comes. Oh, my God. Uh, Catherine's arrested and once again brought to St. Elmo's. And she somehow is able to check herself out the next day after putting her baby on a train track and threatening to murder people. That's so scary. Come on, Australia. Like, come on. It's bad here. Like, there, it it takes a lot to have someone detained. The pendulum swings, you know, because like it. There, there have been times in the history of this country, at least, where it's far too easy to have someone detained. Yeah. but then it swings too far. It's very hard to have someone detained now. Yeah. And it's a sh- it's a very brief hold. And then they have to prove, like you have to meet all these cer- certain criteria. Mm. Yeah. Um, and basically prove that like you can give treatment that will help them and stuff like that. It's just like hmm. kind of bonkers. That's rough. Yeah. It's not okay. Especially when you're harming other people or like trying to kill other people like why do we have to wait until something really horrible happens like she people literally dodge bullets multiple times through this story and yeah like you can tell that something is gonna happen exactly uh unsurprisingly Catherine's what i'm gonna call 1976 episode was not yet over she took one of her butcher knives finds a woman with a car and slashes her face and says, mm. I need you to take me to Queensland because I'm going to find David. And so this woman oh, is like, wow. okay, well, I don't want to fucking die. So, yeah, I'll take you to yeah. Queensland. So oh, this woman is obviously terrified, agrees to drive her. And they stop at what the article calls a service station. I'm assuming it's like a gas station. Like a gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as she's able, she gets out of there and escapes. And she calls the police. But before the police can arrive, Catherine decides to add another skill to her resume kidnapping and she takes hold of a a little boy and like holds him hostage i don't know like how that's going to aid her mission but it just shows how unfucking hinged she is Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when the she doesn't know either yeah no and she's like threatening Mm -hmm. him with a knife and it's just horrible so when the cops Mm -hmm. arrive i thought this was so funny they managed to disarm her with brooms like a rat (laughs) most australian thing i've ever heard so they're fucking swatting her to get the knife out of her hand with brooms oh my god (laughs) 
But she's still not put in prison. Instead, she's once again admitted into a psychiatric hospital, although not at St. Elmo's this time. And she tells Mm -hmm. nurses that she had intended to kill the gas station attendant because he had fixed David's car, which had enabled him to go to Queensland. And then she also admits that she was going to go to Queensland to kill David and his mother-in-law in a fit of envious rage. And they're like, oh, you're just oh, talking you're just about silly things. Like, no, yeah, that's not tired. postpartum. So what did David and his mother do? Well, the cops go and tell them that his wife planned on killing him and mother. And mm-hmm. David decides, you know what? I'm going to leave my girlfriend and I'm going to go take care of Catherine. Oh, okay. Makes sense, no. right? Good choice. I'm not going to victim blame, but... <laughs> but come on. <laughs> I don't know how many red flags need to... Be, like, be waved. Your eyeballs yeah before you take them seriously i agree so he decides to move back and i think that like that whole little nutshell right there of everything that happened it makes me think mm-hmm. like how was this not in the news because i searched newspapers.com couldn't find any of it and i just oh, think weird. about today if that should happen like the daily oh mirror would be plastered yeah, 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 with it yeah. the inquirer would There'd be, be TikToks about it. like oh yeah this bitch went Can crazy you believe it? yeah exactly yeah. it's just nuts mm-hmm. So when they go to pick Catherine up from the hospital, they also have to go pick up the baby who's staying with Catherine's parents. And it was in this um, Australian special that I saw this. And it was actually um, David's mother they interviewed because sadly David passed away in the early 2000s for reasons not related to Catherine. Um, Mm -hmm. So his mother was telling the story of how they went to pick up the baby and Catherine's mother, Barb, puts her hands in the window and starts choking David, just just fucking choking him. And uh, David's mother is in the back seat, like, what the fuck do I do? And Catherine comes out of the house with the baby and hits her mother over the head, knocking her down and saving David. And it's just oh like, what the it's all so fuck? fucked up. It's so fucked up. And it's on, like the fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Totally. <laughs> like, totally. It's all just fucked up. It's yeah. so fucked up. And like, honestly, there are so many stories just from David Kellett about like how insane she mm-hmm. was. Um, mm-hmm. His sister said in this documentary that there was one time where she walked into a bathroom because she heard Catherine's baby crying. Mary, Mary mm-hmm. Ann, I think I said, or yeah, was that I said? Mary Melissa Ann. Melissa Ann. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she found that Catherine was holding Melissa Ann under the hot water. <gasps> and David told her, you know, after she'd seen this, he said, please don't say anything to Kathy tonight because she will kill you in your sleep and she will most likely kill me. Oh my and God. you stay, you stay, and you stay, like, you stay. Why? You actually well, went it's back. sad because what, what is going on yeah, for, for everyone, for him. Yeah. yeah. And that they're all in, like enabling this. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrifying. Must be terrified. Absolutely horrifying. Know? Um, But perhaps the most terrifying is his near-death account, though he may not have known just how close he'd actually come to death. Hmm. He woke to Catherine sitting on his chest with a knife in her hand. (gasps) She grazed it across his throat and laughed, saying just how easy it would have been for her to kill him. And it wasn't the last time that she'd find herself in that same position. Obviously, Catherine's mental break and David coming to rescue her did in no way fix their relationship. She continues flying oh, into sh- rages. I'm so shocked. <laughs> I, I thought they were going to go together <laughs> like, and happily ever after. It's like the notebook. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so romantic. He came to Ryan get her Gosling, out of the mental institution you? after she abducted a woman and a child and yeah, said she was coming so to kill him. romantic. Romance. Um, so she just continues assaulting David. It's not surprising. Um, she would assault him with whatever she could get her hands on. Kitchen appliances, her own fists, whatever oh she could God. find. But somehow there's still enough passion for them to produce another child together on March 6, oh 1980. And this little one's name is Mata- Natasha Marie, spelled M-A-R-E-E. Oh, boy. Yeah. Not not too good. And it's just in time for another man to enter this disturbing picture. Mm. So in 1984, David Kellett comes home to find that his wildest dreams have come true. Catherine has packed up the children, everything they've owned, and just disappears. She moves back to her parents' farm. Like poor, She left him. Yeah, she leaves him. Poor kids, but like lucky David. Lucky yeah. David. Yeah, seriously. No shock here. Catherine decides to take another job at the slaughterhouse. Like, of course, how this woman can't stay away is allowed to work with sharp object after everything she's done. Like, I do not understand. Um, mm. But praise Satan. She hurts her back. So she leaves on account of a dis- disability and lives the rest of her life on a pension. Oh, wow. Um, but she decides the living with her parents just isn't for her. So she rents her own place. And in 1986, she meets David Saunders. Another David. Mm, she's got a type. Mm-hmm. It's men named David. It's men named David. And what an unlucky bastard David is. Mm-hmm. By most accounts, he was a nice guy, not really prone to violence. And boy, did he get more than he bargained for. But remember, Catherine could be like really nice and really charming. Really charming. Just like a real life Jekyll and Hyde, man. It's sort of wild to me that like I had to pressure Matt to propose to me. <laughs> And this bitch is just wheeling in gentlemen, left, right, and center. Like, she's had multiple sexual partners. Oh, and is like cranking out babies. Yes. (laughs) And I had to be like, I moved across the country for you. You like, when are you going to put a ring on my finger? You like side eye him when he doesn't do the dishes and he's like, what is it? What's your problem? And she hits him over the head with a frying pan and he's like, can I come back? (laughs) I need to take a page out of this bitch's book. I bet she is not shouldering 90% of the parenting I bet she's not. Home. No. Oh, I, I guarantee she's shouldering you she's zero not. Percent. Yeah, I guarantee you there's no parenting going on, actually. Uh, oh, boy. <sighs> Never one to move slowly. Catherine urges Saunders to move in, and he did just a few months later. But just oh, in case, no. he keeps his own apartment, which is a very smart move. Mm. So the first few months were great. Lots of food, lots of sex. Some accounts say that David was a total hottie, but like if you see what Catherine looks like, I just like, really kind of doubt that. She's like, I mean, she mm-hmm. just looks like someone who would work mm-hmm. in a slaughterhouse, like bright red she cheeks. She just looks exactly like hair. you picture yes, her to Yes, just exactly that. Yeah. So I yeah. cannot imagine, I couldn't find pictures of him, but I cannot mm. imagine that he looks attractive at all. No. But who's to no. say? Um, of course, this blissful romance was not one to last. Just like she has in all of her previous relationships, she accuses him of cheating. She falsely accuses him of affairs. She'd throw him out and then beg for his forgiveness. And then stupid David would forgive her. Um, And despite reports from his ex-wife and friends saying he was a kind, gentle man, Catherine claimed he was abusive. She said he punched her in the stomach while she was pregnant with their child. And I'm not saying that it's like not impossible that she'd be with an abusive man. In fact, it's probably likely. But I can also see her punching herself in the stomach. Just yeah. to say that someone punched yeah. her in the stomach. 
Yeah, or to be like, admit that you cheated on me, yeah. or I'm going to hurt our baby. Exactly. Oh, 100% yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because mm-hmm. she's manipulative. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, I'm going to put a little trigger warning here. Uh, we've got a little bit of animal violence coming up, so skip forward 15 seconds if you can't hear that. I get it. I really hate it, too. Uh, okay. But it just shows Skipping. how yeah sociopathic she is. Um, in retaliation to David Saunders' supposed infidelity... Oh, God. She takes his two-month-old dingo puppy and slashes its throat ear to ear and then bashes it into unconsciousness with a frying pan in May of 1987. Oh, my God. Like, this woman has no normal human... No empathy. Empathy. No. No. She claimed that she killed the puppy out of retaliation, um, but David was like, no, she used to do that kind of shit all the time. Like, that's... Also, like... (laughs) There's there's no, no retaliation. There's no, there's, you don't yeah, you don't there's kill. no retaliation no. that like yeah that like deserves killing an a animal puppy. being murdered. Totally. Yeah. Unfortunately for David, Catherine became pregnant yet again, prompting the two to buy a house together and in June of 1988, just one year later, baby Sarah is born. Have you ever heard that saying never stick your dick in crazy? <laughs> That's the name <laughs> of the like episode. He, sh- he could have <laughs> <laughs> he could have heard that. He maybe. could have, should have. That would have been oh, helpful Could have for changed him. a lot. Could have changed a lot. Yeah. So Catherine gets this new house with David and she decorates it just according to her taste. And what does that oh, look no. like, you ask? Knives everywhere. Farming equipment, animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, skins all over the walls. Some articles say that no space, not even the ceiling was left uncovered. And needless to say, it like scared everyone who walked in. Like, can you imagine it wouldn't? And raising a baby in that. Like, what? Mm -mm. Saunders finally has enough after Catherine hits him in the face with an iron and stabs him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. So he moves back to his apartment. Thank God he kept that. Like I said, smart man. All this time later, he still kept it. Smart dude. He could tell the whole time, like, something's wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She begs him to come back. And when she realizes that he wouldn't, she cut up all his clothes. What is it with this woman in clothes? Like, you burn it, you cut it. It's just so bizarre. Catherine, just please go to therapy. I beg of you. Yes. Go to therapy. You will not feel the need to kill everyone around you as much. Or everything. Puppies, people. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do it. Mm. So Mm -hmm. he realizes that she's like absolutely batshit crazy. Finally, we've been saying that for like the past hour. Um, And so he disappears. He just leaves without a trace, which like totally get it. But what about your daughter? What about Melissa Ann? What about Natasha Marie? Like who's advocating for them? Yeah. Nobody. Oh my God. Catherine tries her damnedest to find him. She asks family and friends. And if anybody knew, they wouldn't tell. Like who would tell her? She's a crazy ass bitch. Mm-hmm. apparently we aren't the only ones concerned for little sarah because a few months after his disappearance saunders comes out of hiding to see his little baby girl Aww. but unfortunately for him during his time away Catherine had gone to the police claiming she was afraid for her life and the courts oh, issued her an apprehended violence order against him which i'm guessing is oh, like my order of protection or restraining like an order, order of protection yeah, yeah exactly so again not really building up my faith in the australian court systems like no. hello you're trusting this crazy ass woman yeah like look at her record <sighs> yeah yeah exactly now I'm going to say one hot take here. If there was one thing of Catherine's that I wish I had, it was her reproductive system because it seems that just by looking <laughs> at brutal. a dick, she becomes pregnant. She's easily <laughs> impregnated. Because in 1990, she meets recovering alcoholic John Chillingsworth 
And I really wish they'd gotten married because then her name would have been Catherine Chillingsworth. And that would just be so freaking fitting. Mm-hmm. He was a former mm-hmm. Slaughterhouse employee as well, match made in oh hell. And immediately she becomes fucking pregnant, giving birth to her first and only son, Eric, in 1991. The same year we were born, <gasps> making him 31. We <gasps> yeah. Think about oh, that. I, wonder, I hope he's in there. I hope he's well. Yeah. I'm sending Ativan vibes to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I hope someone gives yes. you medication, Eric. Yes. Uh, oh like every man in her life, Catherine pushed Chillingsworth past his breaking point, and he did admit to hitting her after she smacked his glasses off his face and broke his fake teeth. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm not saying anything. I'm keeping my mouth shut. Oh, so that your fake teeth don't fall out. <laughs> you can tell that mine are real because they are crooked. <laughs> They're beautiful. Way better than fake Thank teeth. You. Thank you. Unsurprisingly, this relationship only lasts three years. And during that time, she'd been having an affair with a man named John Price, who is sadly oh, yes. the dinner. dinner. And I want to mention here that I think it's so odd that she had these four major relationships and two of them were David's and two of them were John's. She's got a type. Isn't that weird? Or or everyone was named biblically in that town. <laughs> Isn't a John so a John I'm married to a Matthew, so is a David I know a John is a, a name for a penis. Is a David? Peter, John. Maybe David's not. Look at my David. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can be a name for a penis if it's what you call a penis. <laughs> That's a nice David you've got there, John. <laughs> I don't know. Tell, let us know, listeners. Maybe, maybe I'm an idiot. Anyway. Have you ever called a penis David before? <laughs> you can start now. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, John Pricey Price, as he was known by family and friends, was mm-hmm. by all accounts an absolute gem. He was giving and kind. He was always willing to give you the shirt off his back. His previous marriage had ended in 1988, and he had three children with his wife. When the marriage ended, his wife took their two-year-old daughter and left Price with a teenage son and daughter to care for. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah, pretty fucked up. She had a favorite. Mm -hmm. And the youngest one. Like, you don't want to deal with the hard teenagers to raise? Mm. He was a mine worker in Aberdeen, and he owned a really lovely three-bedroom home in town. So, like, they wanted for nothing. He was doing really well. He seems like a good dad. He was, you know, working hard, living a good life. Mm-hmm. How he hadn't heard of Catherine before living in a small town like Aberdeen, what yeah. with placing her babies on train tracks, threatening to kill townspeople with an axe, holding boys hostage is like beyond me. I don't know how you haven't heard of this woman. Yeah. And I just I don't understand how she had this like charisma that guys seem to be into. Like, how were you into that woman? I just don't understand. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. But he's into her. He likes her. They meet at a hotel bar in 1993. They're both 38 years old, and pretty soon they're just an item. I guess he had heard rumors that she treated her men horribly, but remember, she could be such a doll, so he disregarded the many He's like, red what? Flies. Oh, must have been yeah. jilted ex lovers. Must have been her twin joy, <laughs> not mm. Catherine. <laughs> mm. Uh, apparently Catherine was the picture perfect girlfriend for a while. She cooked and cleaned. She sewed on his buttons when they came off, loved him unconditionally. Price's kids loved Catherine's kids. It was just like a picture perfect romance until it wasn't. Like in all relationships, Catherine starts accusing John of cheating on her. She really has a complex about this. They fight, break up, get back together. It's just so predictable. It's the same every time. And you'd think that Price would start listening to the warnings that he received. Unfortunately for him, he did not. 
Despite the continuing horror show, Price invites Catherine to move in with him and his children. I'm surprised that she was like willing to leave her freak show of a taxidermy house, but apparently she kept it just in case, like her last boyfriend had done. She wouldn't want to lose such treasures. So, of course, coupled with drinking, the fighting gets worse. People would witness them out in front of hotels, like in the streets, fighting, getting into physical fights, you know, just really bad. Um, As was the pattern with Catherine. One minute was good, and the next minute it was not. She's like throwing a fucking frying pan at his head. Like, yeah, yeah. Say a frying literally. Pan in, face. in 1998, Kathy pulled an Amber Heard and recorded Price without him knowing. Mm-mm. She filmed items that he'd stolen from the mine and showed his bosses. <gasps> she said she did. She was mad at him for something. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she did this out of revenge because he refused to marry her. <laughs> That sounds like something I would have done in about late 2016. I'm gonna tell your bosses. <laughs> like that's the probably the smartest thing John so Price did. Stupid. Yeah, I know. So stupid. And this is what she says that she didn't plan to show his bosses the tapes, but wanted to use it as blackmail because he'd hit her with a belt during a fight. But then I guess sure. a second fight had gotten even worse. And so she decided that she'd show it to his employers. She, like, so now your baby father has no income. That's great. You're living well, in his house. Thankfully, this Good guy idea. she didn't have a kid with, but they had uh, his two kids and then her two kids. So he's still right, a baby father. Right. Yeah, baby daddy. I mean, like he's still like supporting your <clears throat> lifestyle. Right. And sadly, these items weren't anything of importance. They were like considered to be trash and they'd been past their expiration date. So like he hadn't taken anything of importance or a value value. to the company, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they didn't care. He'd worked at the mine for 17 years and they fired him. Oh, no. And that really fired up Price. He kicks Mm -hmm. Catherine out of his house. Like, way to go, John. Mm -hmm. Um, She returns to her taxidermy den, but they just can't seem to live without one another. And Price, who really isn't that smart, took her back, which causes friends and acquaintances to distance themselves from him. And like, I can't blame him. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be 20 miles with like from this bitch. Like she's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he lets her back into his home. Oh, my God. The fight's worsen, though, because now he has like all this anger towards her that she made him lose his job. So they'd see them out in public arguing about him getting fired it was just like a bomb waiting to explode like everyone could tell it was getting more heated more heated worse and worse and worse Mm -hmm. Catherine finally stabs him in the chest with a knife in the kitchen just like the game clue it was Catherine with the knife in the kitchen oh my god and thankfully this finally knocks some sense into him kind of he took out his own order of protection against Catherine hoping to rid himself of her forever but like mm-hmm. a little piece of paper is going to stop Catherine yeah, Knight. Exactly. No way. She's like, have you seen the knives hanging over my exactly. bed? Exactly. Let me cut up that they piece can of cut paper. That paper in half. Totally. Exactly. So on February 29th, 2000, Ooh. the same day that he took out this order of protection against Catherine, she oh, pulls boy. into his driveway and enters his house and she watches TV for a few minutes before joining him in bed. And then the two do the dirty. I don't know how many times I can repeat this. John Price, not to speak ill of the dead, but you are an idiot. Why he literally would you took have out an order of protection her? against her that yeah, like, day? This just shows how sex is so powerful to men. Like, yes, you just want yes. that that vagina so badly, so badly, so badly, so badly. <sighs> so after being fired from the mine, Price had apparently gotten a new job, and that gave him a new work truck. And so his neighbor had gotten accustomed to seeing him leave at a certain time every day. And mm-hmm. so by 6 a.m. on March 1st, the neighbor's like, the truck hasn't left. 
Where, why, why hasn't he left for work yet? And, you know, I'm sure they're also concerned because they saw that his crazy, manipulative ex-girlfriend was in his house mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. So his employer becomes concerned, too. Price never shows up. And the neighbor goes and knocks on Price's door. Like, hey, you there? Everything okay? And there's no answer. They decide that they'll oh, walk Lord, around back. Really bad. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> I'm literally like all of the muscles in my body are tense. I'm like, oh, she's going to say it and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just say now things are about to get really, really, really bad. So if Real you're gruesome. squeamish, like maybe just skip to the baking part of the show. Like, <laughs> No, no, I made stew. Don't, don't okay, listen to the baking don't part. <laughs> I made ribs. Remember how last <laughs> time you said we'd start making things that weren't in an easy bake oven? Tonight's the night. <laughs> I really ran with that. Yeah, ribs. Oh, the day I, I hear liver. Haley bake ribs is like the day that hell freezes over. Hell will be frozen. I'll be skating with the devil, my friend. Nope. Oh, so the neighbor goes back out back and knocks on John Price's window. And there's no no sound or no sign that he's in there or alive. So they go around to a different door and they find a small amount of blood on the home's wooden exterior. And this is enough to make them call the police. Mm -hmm. I want to say here that when I find an episode I'm going to do, like I research it as I'm writing it just because I want to make sure I get everything in chronological order. Yeah. And so I'm just writing it, making sure I'm getting all the details in the right spot. And this story was totally new to me. I'd never heard of it before. Oh boy. So by the time I got to the end, I was like, how do I even talk about this? This is I have to say this out loud. I know. Like how do I relay this extraordinarily horrible thing this human did? Like I don't, I cannot even comprehend how a human does this to another human. Mm-hmm. Police arrive at John Price's home at 8 a.m. And while walking through the backyard to forcibly enter through the rear door, they notice there's a piece of cooked meat on the lawn in front of a white Ford sedan. Mm. The detectives collect it for examination. They break into Price's home through the back door and a house of horrors greets them. The walls were covered in bloody handprints, Later, blood spatter analysts would say the blood patterns were indicative of Price trying to escape as Catherine stabbed him to death. And it's believed he made it outside, that blood that's on the exterior of the house, only to be dragged back in. Oh, my God. She was a robust gal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a big gal. She could just do that. Mm -hmm. Detective Senior Constable Peter Anthony Musio was the first investigator on the scene. And here's a partial quote from him upon finding Price's signs of struggle. I've taken out some of the like especially exaggerated bits. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely fighting for his life. The blokes just had a bonk, sexual intercourse, in the bed. When he wakes up, then stab, stab, stab. It looks like he's tried to turn the light switch on. And then all down the hallway, they're everywhere, meaning bloody handprints. Mm -hmm. And he's almost made it. He's opened the front door. The screen door is shut. There's blood staining, trajectory again, flicking out across the front door. He's almost made it, but he wouldn't have survived. He would have been absolutely horrified, terrified, probably terrified more than horrified, trying to get out and all the time being stabbed. And it's just like especially sad that Price had gotten so close to getting out of this relationship, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so like he close, had some some level of clarity yes. enough to go to, you know, the police station yeah. and file the paperwork to be like, I don't want her near me anymore. But sex is a powerful thing, man. Oh, powerful thing. So moving through the house, Musio's discoveries only get worse. In the dining room, the table's cluttered with tools. There's an electric toy gorilla and some prescription medicine bottles. 
On a chair around the table, there hung a shirt with a bloodstained shoulder. There were bottles of Dapataps, Felidor, and Prinivil, which were partially empty. Haley, maybe you know what those are. I don't. No, I don't know. Any maybe of those, those are Australian meds. Yeah, maybe they're Australian. In the living room, a chair's arm and back were covered in bloody handprints. The chair's seat held a sharpening stone and a pack of cigarettes. And lying in a display cabinet in the living room was a broken picture frame with a photo of John. And laying on top of that frame was a bloodstained watch. Next to the watch was a bloodstained, very poorly written note covered in tiny pieces of flesh. We learned earlier that Catherine never learned to read or write, and that's very evident in this note. So here's what she wrote. Time you got back, Jonathan, for rapping my daughter. Rapping, raping is spelled R-A-P-P-I-N-G, and daughter is spelled D-O-U-T-E-R. You to Beck for Ross for Little John. I don't know what that means. Now Mm. play with Little John's dick, John Price. It's important to note that these allegations were totally baseless. Like John Price was never accused of or found guilty of child abuse or molestation. No, she was just really, really mentally. Yes, and like very manipulative. So not true whatsoever. Yeah. So the trail of blood led from the living room to the kitchen. And in the doorway connecting the two, from a stainless steel meat hook, hung the complete human skin of John Price. It started at the top of the door frame and went all the way to the floor. On the top, Detective Musio noticed curly black hair, as well as a nose, mouth, and ear. And in the middle, he saw more black curls consistent with pubic hair. The skinning had been done methodically by someone who obviously knew what they were doing, The genitalia had been left intact, the hair still in place, a skilled professional, someone who knew their way around a slaughterhouse, probably. Mm -hmm. The trail of blood continued into the kitchen, where the fridge, too, sat covered in bloody handprints. A pot sat on the stove, still warm to the touch. A baking dish sat on a different burner. It held liquid and the remains of cooked vegetables, including onion, potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, and yellow squash. The pot, unfortunately held the remains of John Price. Floating on the surface was his skinned head. Ooh. Yeah. So, so bad. And to make matters worse, to the right of the stove sat two prepared meals, each assigned to one of John's children via a piece of kitchen paper that she'd torn up and written on with blue ink. Beaky and Jonathan. I'm assuming she meant Becky. It's so, so fucked up. A coffee cup off to the side held some sort of gravy. (laughs) The meat on their plates resembled the meat that Detective Musio had found in the yard, and it was later identified that it was John's butt cheek. And thank God the children hadn't come home and had never found the mess Mm -hmm. that she'd intended for them. Mm -hmm. There was a third meal found out in the yard, the piece of meat the detective had found. Mm-hmm. And it's assumed that Catherine herself had tried to eat some of what she'd prepared and was just so repulsed that she threw it out. Yeah. So you may remember that John's skin hanging from the door contained hair and facial features, but then his mm-hmm. head was in the pot. And that's because Catherine had skinned John after she'd killed him and then beheaded him after that. So there's so many levels <sighs> to this person's absolute yes. insanity. And then cooked him. Yeah. And then made play settings for his yep. children. Yep. 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 It's yep. so fucked up. Yep. It's so fucked up. 
A large pool of blood was found at the entryway to the foyer, and from that pool, John Price had been dragged about three feet, where his body lay face upward. His feet were crossed at their ankles, his left arm extended, and was bent at a 45-degree angle, and stab wounds littered the top of his body. And the blood pattern is what led to detectives being able to realize she'd beheaded him afterward. It's oh estimated that Catherine stabbed John more than 37 times. Oh my God. Like, I know you've all heard this in Forensic Files episodes, but like, that's a rage killing. Like, when you stab someone yeah, that many yeah. times and then behead them and skin them and cook them, like, you have some serious rage. Yeah, clearly. Uh, according to forensic pathologist Dr. Timothy Lyons, who performed the autopsy, he said this whole procedure would have taken about 40 minutes. Can you imagine oh just God. doing that for 40 minutes? No, I can't. Your lover? For four seconds. No. So what about Catherine? Where'd she gone? Nowhere. This bitch is snoring loudly on a double bed at the end of the house, apparently comatose and unable to be woken. She'd popped the pills found on the table in an effort to kill herself, mm. and police trucked her off to the hospital, this time in handcuffs. Thank fucking goodness. Finally. It's They're about like, fucking Oh, maybe time. she's dangerous. Yeah, maybe now that she's you fucking skinned think. someone, eaten them, like maybe now she should go to the hospital. Despite taking 40 minutes to brutally massacre John Price and then taking the time to prepare an entire meal complete with veggies and gravy, as well as writing out a very damning bloody note, Catherine Knight claims to have no memory whatsoever of the mm. murder. Isn't that convenient? Of course. After one week of recovering from her suicide attempt, she's charged with the murder of John Price on March 6, 2000. From her memory, she arrived at John's house. They had good sex. They both orgasmed. John got up to pee, and Catherine remembers watching him come back to bed. She assumes she fell asleep, and the rest is history. Oh, my God. But it seems that Catherine wasn't as out of it as she claimed, because during the mm -hmm. trial, it came out that after murdering John, she'd ventured into Aberdeen and taken out $1,000 from his account via ATM. Oh, isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. But we'll never know mm -hmm. what she intended to do with it. Like, what are you going to do with $1,000? And she went to sleep. That's weird. And I have to assume that she did it before she did the butchering, because how could you go out in town with all that blood on you? Yeah, she'd be so covered in So, blood. like, did you go to town, take out $1,000, think, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do when I get back? I'm going to, like, how, what, mm -hmm. what? I mean, mm -hmm. we can't even imagine her thought process. Or did she, like, cut him up and then shower, go into town? Yeah, maybe. Well, that's done. That's done. That's Get over. myself cleaned up. Go run some errands. This bitch originally pleaded guilty to manslaughter. Ah. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Uh, thank God the Australian courts were finally using some common sense. They threw that finally. away. And her trial started in October 2001, and she entered a plea of not guilty. It's so wild to me. I, and in my brain, I don't know why I filed this away as like an 80s crime. And I'm like, this is literally 2000? after 9-11. I mean, her trial is after 9-11. Like, this so is not crazy. that long ago. I was so alive. Crazy. I was a child. Yep. Yep. We were both alive and mm -hmm. kind of giving things to society <laughs> in yeah, a child like way coherent humans yeah, that could yeah. talk and walk mm -hmm. her trial started in october 2001 and she enters a plea of not guilty so a jury selected but due to the obscene nature of the evidence jurors were allowed to back oh, out God. if they wanted to i would want to of the possible 60 five decided they wanted out and when the witness list was read out several more dropped and two days later Catherine's lawyers decided to change her plea to guilty and the jury's excused, mm. excused altogether, saving Price's oh family from hearing all the horrible details. <clears throat> oh, and from everyone else hearing it yes. all, too. 
Uh, Justice Barry O'Keefe had been made aware of the plea change the day prior, and overnight he'd ordered a psychiatric assessment to make sure that Catherine understood what her plea would mean. Uh-huh. And this really proved important as her lawyers had planned to blame amnesia, amnesia and dissociation. Uh. But a Dr. Milton spoke at the trial and said that while he believed Catherine probably suffered from a borderline personality disorder, 100%. she knew exactly what she was doing when she killed mm-hmm. John Price. Mm-hmm. Despite entering that plea of guilt, Catherine never admitted to having killed John. She never mm-hmm. admitted to remembering any of it. And during her sentencing, her lawyers had the nerve to ask that she would be excused so that she wouldn't have to hear all the gory details. Can you imagine that? Probably because she'd get aroused in court. Thank God Justice O'Keefe was like, hell no, you dumb bitch. You're going to listen to every word. Yeah. And when they got to the skinning and beheading, she lost it, became absolutely hysterical and had to be sedated. But she never showed any remorse. I mean, like, I guess to show remorse, you'd be kind of admitting guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. But she didn't Mm -hmm. shed a tear for this man that she apparently loved. Mm. And here's where Australia finally comes in clutch. She's the first woman to be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. See, she's a feminist trailblazer. I knew it. (laughs) Equality for Anything men can do, women can do, too. (laughs) The judge marked her papers as never to be released. Oh, thank God. She has since appealed the severity of the sentence with no success. Thank God. The thought of her ever being out again, like even as far away as Australia, like you can't put enough oceans between me and Catherine Knight. Like absolutely horrifying. Yeah. No, no, no. Today. She's still alive. Yeah, she's still alive. She's serving out her sentence at the Silverwater Women's Correctional Center, formerly known as Malawa Correctional Center in Western Sydney, where she's known to other inmates as the Nana. (laughs) I wish you could see Haley's face. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? The Nana. Mm -hmm. Okay. Apparently, younger inmates look up to Catherine, who's now a gray-haired old woman, Oh my God. There's a book called Fuck Green is the bitch. New Black, written by James Phelps, and it claims that while in prison, imagine this, Catherine well, has she found religion. <laughs> that fucking bitch. That fucking oh, bitch. Add another, add it to the fucking list yep. of reasons that yep. I don't like religion. And she's taken up crafts like painting and knitting. Um, she probably loves it in there. Oh, I bet she does because she's kind of like a boss, you know, like everyone knows mm-hmm. don't fuck with Catherine Knight. Yeah. She can't yeah, have seriously. a cellmate. She's not allowed to be anywhere near knives just in case. Probably killed them. Yep. Uh, according to the book, Catherine's prison job is to make headphones from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day, a task they say is the most know. tedious, and they say she's one of their best workers. But I don't know why they would allow that woman anywhere near a factory. Like, I don't care if there's yeah. no knives. I just feel like she could find a way to she use should the be equipment the, to murder someone. She should be in the pillow stuffing department. Yes. No, she, she she'd takes... suffocate people with the pillows. Oh, that's true. <laughs> she just needs to be in solitary, even though I think it's really inhumane in this instance. Bitch needs to be in solitary. I completely agree. Um, mm-hmm. They say that, like, they have four guards with her at all times, like, while she's working. Oh but, like, I'm sure after all these years, she's, like, gotten their trust, mm-hmm. gained she's their trust. Them. Yeah, exactly. Probably sex with them. Right. Oh, Ugh. my God. God. Um, apparently, her cell is cluttered with things she's acquired during her stay, including blankets she's crocheted through the years. And she's supposedly very private. Like, very few people have ever been in her cell. Lucky them, I say. 
God. She sells art to make money for the prison, but she never signs any of her works because she doesn't want people buying it because she's a presumed killer. She doesn't want people making money off presumed. her name. <laughs> bitch, you're a fucking killer. <laughs> you're a killer, bitch. Oh, my God. Unsurprisingly, none of Catherine's friends or family come to visit her. And, like, can you blame them? These mm, poor children. I would not. But apparently Nana in jail is a peacemaker and she tries to get the girls to respect one another and not steal, but she's never raised a hand to anyone. And while that may be true, an officer in the prison regarded her as, like I said, a total boss, going so far as to call her the top boss. He says she takes no crap and gives it to the guards. He's quoted as saying, if you come in to search her cell, she will stand in front of you with a smug face and scream at you. She will demand to watch you search the cell and she will not leave the area. No, I'm fucking staying here, she'll scream. He, He went on to say she knows everything that goes on in the jail and whatever she says goes. But she didn't gain her respect through violence. It's just the nature of her crimes. Like the brutality speaks for itself. They're like, don't fuck with us. Don't bitch. fuck with she Catherine. Will Knight. Kill you. She will. And she's in here for life. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. She kills no. You. And I don't think they have the death penalty in Sydney. So like, you're not. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. There's nothing worse for her. Yeah. She is now and forever will be considered a level four inmate, which is the highest and worst category there is in Australia. Uh-huh. Good. And I would wager that despite the religion and the crafts and the paintings, mm. Catherine Knight hasn't changed one bit. No. Nope. I'm she just found her new Yeah, place her new place. She can intimidate have power. And be a bully. Exactly. I'm glad her children have chosen to stay away. I'm glad there are steel bars and barbed wire separating them. Sadly, I don't think Catherine ever really stood a chance with the childhood she had. Um, she didn't develop the proper connections in her brain and the rest is history. Trauma begets trauma unless you go to a lot of therapy mm-hmm. and work really mm-hmm. hard to end the cycle. Yep. This was not one of those times. And unfortunately, John Price paid the ultimate price. Oh. Yeah. Woof. Hardcore. Not so that great is thing the happen. story of Catherine <laughs> Knight and John price i feel like you covered that very well thank you i was I, very respectful i got to the end and i was like oh no i didn't say, say it out loud <laughs> she skinned him oh. yeah she, she really did it she did she it cooked up his butt oh, cheeks god. Oh, oh god yeah and then i mean but i just felt like it we went through so much to even get to that point that like yeah. they could have stopped like, how her. did we get to that how point? did we get to that how are you able to put your baby on a train track and not go to jail yeah. Or at least have your or baby taken away. Or at least not away. have like compulsory therapy yeah, and like court mandated check ins and da 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 da. You oh, know, something. Like, there should be some oversight. Totally. For your own protection, if anything. Oh, so sorry for getting so heavy, everyone. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to do butterflies an and rainbows and unicorns. About the cutest little sheep. <laughs> little sheep farm there ever was and the aliens <laughs> that came and anally raped them <laughs> <laughs> no the aliens became friends with them and they oh. were all just frolicking is this and the storyline of lamb <laughs> oh god, oh god. I will, that was the only thing worse suddenly than got a lot creepier when i brought up that movie yes yeah yep. so i think we need something sweet wow. to um help us get through all that sour i have something sweet and spooky oh what do you have I 
know if you remember, I feel like we were friends at this time because I feel like this was during COVID when my friend Allison published a zine cooking <gasps> with the dead. Oh my God. Have I ever shown cute. you this before? No, I don't think so. So she and some friends made this little sweet little baby cookbook of recipes that people have had printed on their tombstones. Oh my God. In cemeteries. Okay. You need and to post like, this on the, the, po- the social right? medias. So it's like cute. The, the cutest. I think it's still available. We'll link it. You can still yes. order it. I'm pretty sure. Um, and what they did was they, like they found all these famous, I mean, maybe not famous, but they found all these, like tombstones that had recipes on them. Oh of, like, my goodness! Grandma's famous whatever, cookies. like whatever's yeah, mom's Christmas cookies. Um, so I decided to make chocolate oatmeal cookies, <gasps> no bake, everyone's favorite. And the cemetery is from Nome, Alaska. Oh my goodness! I love this. Yeah. It's so on theme. Uh huh. So it's a big granite monument with a recipe for chocolate oatmeal cookies, no bake, Aww. everyone's favorite. And um, maybe we can have Easy Bake Coven's uh, inscribed on our tombstone. Yes. <laughs> um, duh. And then they each at the end put what recipe they would put on oh, their grave. I yeah, love it's really that. cute. I what love a it. great and book. They turned out really <gasps> oh, cute. Oh, those look delicious. I've never made no bake cookies before. Sorry, I love spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Obviously, did not make it in the Easy Bake. It made coven. a nice, uh, a nice big batch. Yeah, mm. there's even more upstairs. Oh. And I did half. I halved it, but oh. they're really good and they were really easy. You just mix together. So that's what I was texting you about cocoa. Oh yeah. Because it calls for cocoa and then in brackets Swiss Miss. So and I'm is like, that what it says on the mix. on the grave? Yeah. Oh. Um, um so I did hot cocoa mix. I feel like you probably could have done cocoa and it would have been good too. Mm-hmm. A little bit more like rich, but mix sugar, milk cocoa or hot cocoa mix and um, butter or margarine and you just boil it in a saucepan you know until it gets like kind of candy oh yeah like you boil mm-hmm. it and you know it's gonna like whatever and then you just remove it from the heat and let it sit for a few minutes and then you add quick oats peanut butter and vanilla and just drop it on like parchment paper oh my goodness let it How form nice. into cookies i love that pretty good. they're very sweet just um, like but they're like gnome fun. lady who's who's sto- mm-hmm. who's gravestone was it? it doesn't say the name of it Isn't oh that that's funny? sad i know because some of them do some of them say like Kay's famous whatever, yeah maxine's christmas cookies oh, what a good idea for a little zine isn't that fun I love that so fun Way yeah to go, this friends. is allison who's friends with shannon oh nice yeah. yep super yeah, cool i know her because she we used to volunteer stuff at greenwood together right we need to have her on so the podcast she, uh-huh we totally will at some point Oh, so fun. So yeah. who who so is they're quite delicious. Who is missing okay. in the world tonight? So I thought it was kind of in the same vein as I know you covered a white girl last week. I'm pretty sure this gal is white. But um she's got special needs. Aww. And I'm like, you know, uh that's another sort of vulnerable population. Totally. Yep. You know. Um and I'd never even heard about this. And it's she's been missing for two months. Oh no. So this is a 16-year-old named Kaylee Jones who disappeared from her hometown in Georgia. She was last seen on June 14th in the area of Whooping Creek Church Road in New Carrollton. And basically what was going on is that her parents found out she was talking to strangers on the internet. Oh, no. She has some kind of a developmental disability. So I think this oh, makes I her Oh, I just looked her up. Vulnerable. She's so yeah, sweet. She's a little cutie. Yeah. She's just a sweet, sweet-looking kid. Yeah. Um. 
Her parents found out she was talking to strangers on the internet, so they took away her phone. And then, hmm. I guess, didn't didn't take away her laptop, probably because... She needs you know, it for school that, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, she needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then found out that she le- that she was talking to strangers on, like, Omegle and, like, websites like that. What's that? And it's, like, it pairs you with, like, strangers in chat rooms, I think. Oh. Um, and you can send, like, anonymously send messages or video chat with people. Mm-hmm. And apparently she shared information, including her family's address with some guys that she was speaking oh, to honey. online. Oh, honey. So she climbed out of her window and left. Oh, no. Nugget. And she's now gone two months without her medication. Oh, man. And it sounds like they really don't have a lot of information about where she is. Someone has taken her, you know? Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. It's just so, it's just so sad. As soon as I saw this story, I was like, oh, my God. You know, it's just so sad. And they have, like, nothing to go on. It sounds like not not really a lot. Mm. I know. Um, I feel like five foot uh, again, not to like put any blame on the parents, but like I would hope that in that situation, if my kid was talking to people online, instead of just taking away the phone, I'd be like, look, we need to talk about what the repercussions of this could be. And it's not because I'm a mean parent and I hate you and don't want you to have fun. It's because I love you. And like if you find out that your kid is talking with strangers on the Internet, you need to put some um parameters on your but internet, honestly what you know? terrifies me about kids these days is i've read in so many reddit threads that they're ways. like oh yeah go ahead try to try to get these kids to, to not break your parental rules like they're gonna find every way around it because they are born with technology like it's so in scary. their veins you know mm-hmm. <sighs> so she's five foot eight she's 135 pounds she's got brown hair and brown eyes her mom thinks that she might have taken a blue book bag with a horse on the front. Oh, which, no. I don't know why that makes it even sadder. So sad, I'm just like, she's just a kid with mm-hmm. a horse bag. Yeah. Um, she might be wearing black tennis shoes or Converse. And they just moved to Georgia from Brooksville, Florida, where they still oh, have Oh, my God. Brooksville. Friends. I That's like not far from yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Really? Like 45 um, minutes. So they were like, maybe she... Went back there. There, and she also might be going by her birth name, Jillian. Aww. So she might be going by Kaylee Jones, or she might be going by Jilli- Jillian Jones. Hmm. Wow, that's really hard. Mm. Yeah, so... So many possibilities. Photo, but, yeah, hmm. it's like another one of those, somebody knows something. You know, I was scrolling through our Instagram the other day, and I was just looking at all the faces of the women that we've shared, and it just, mm-hmm. seeing them all grouped it's just mm-hmm. it like hits really hard you know then that's only like pfft, not even a fraction but all right. these women who had beautiful smiles and children and families and lives and lives and, yeah and exactly. they've just vanished mm-hmm. just absolutely mm-hmm. disappeared yeah yeah well thank that's you for sharing happened. that and bringing it to our attention of course, of course. <sighs> you have a good thing Yes, let me think. What's a good thing? Um well, oh, um I'm going to be going to Skagway for work. Yes. Um mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um going to be there for about What are you a, doing there? Um I'm shooting a bunch of commercial stuff for the tourism bureau, just doing Sweet. a bunch of different businesses and hikes and like they've done a lot of trail work and um, so we're going to capture that. And they also want to show um, 
they had a hard time getting seasonal workers this year, um, mm, just like everywhere mm -hmm. else in the country. It's been hard to find yeah. help. And so they really want to create some content that shows how exciting it is to how be. How fun it is for people yeah. to live there. And it's crazy for me to think that they have trouble getting people to work there for the summer because so fun, right? it is the best fucking place you could ever work for a summer. Mm -hmm. Like To mm -hmm. think of going to Alaska for five months to make up. And you make a shit ton of money in a summer there. Like, really? Because all you're doing is working. There's so many cru cruise Yes. Tourists, and I right? mean, yeah, you're drinking and partying. But if you're good with money, like you can make a killing. You're not spending a ton of money. Yeah. Unless you're drinking mm -hmm. and partying. And then you can spend a lot of money. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so we're going to make a bunch of stuff for them. And um, cool. yeah, it'll be fun. I'm I'm a little stressed about it just because I always get stressed before a big work thing. But yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be good to see some people. And um, it's beautiful there. And I'm excited to have more work in Alaska so that you know when I pitch stuff this this winter I've got a body of work right here and I'm like look totally. here's another town oh, yeah yep yeah yep. so what's your Ruby. good thing by the time this episode comes out it will already have happened oh. I'm gonna visit my family and I'm gonna oh, see nice. my niece who I haven't seen <gasps> since before COVID are you flying there no she's coming oh good that's so good yep. oh that's mm -hmm. lovely mm -hmm. I haven't seen her since the Christmas before COVID. Christmas wow, of that'll be so exciting! Yeah, Russell's really excited. What plans? What plans do you guys have? Not a ton. Um, I got glow sticks for the kids to play with. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah, like a fun a time. I'm just like playing. Oh, we're gonna go to a car show. Duh. Oh, that'll be fun. Russell love that car show. Mm -hmm. Yes, Russ has never. I mean, he's only been to a Vashon car. Yeah, show. this is like a like proper a full cruising, one. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it'll be me and my dad Aww, and Russ. Oh, that'll so be it's nice. Like, you know, my dad took me yeah. when I was Russell's age. Yeah. So. Oh, you're gonna be weeping, <sighs> right? <laughs> Gord's gonna be weeping. We're all saps just these creep. days. Just crying, old cryers. Oh, just, just <laughs> sobbing endlessly. I love that. <laughs> that'll be a nice time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, all right, friends. Well, please be sure to rate us, subscribe, leave a review anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, if tell your friends. Yes. Tell, tell your barber. Tell your friends. Tell your barber. If you're getting your hair cut. Tell your gynecologist while she's down there. There's this great podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Speaking of things that are spooky. Um, tell anyone, really. Tell your, you know, everyone in your life. Anyone and everyone. Tell Just them. Just don't tell your pastor. <laughs> yeah, don't tell <laughs> Unless you're a fellow a member of the Satanic Temple, in which case, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, if you're new, you should know that you should go to our website, easybakecovenpodcast.com, where we upload every episode every Friday, along with lovely pictures and sources and all that jazz. Um, you can head over to our social media, Easy Bake Coven Podcast. Follow us. Slip, uh, slim into our slip into our DMs. Slim into our DMs. <laughs> slim into our DMs. And shoot us an email with the spooky things you want to hear or your creepy stories. We love having guests. The Easy Bake Pod. Do you have like an obscure hometown unsolved murder Ooh, mystery? Yeah. Tell us about also, it. Also, I really would. We'll solve it. I had someone message us on Facebook um, asking for a variety of subjects. And one of them was astral projection, which I am fascinated by. So mm -hmm. if someone listening has an experience with or knows someone who or knows how to astral had, project. Yes. Would love First of to all, talk with you. Will you do a YouTube tutorial that we can share? <laughs> yes. Second of all, teach me how. <laughs> but maybe not because it kind of scares Third me. of all, I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Prove I'm us wrong. Prove I'm us wrong. I'm open-minded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Joe Nickel. <laughs> oh, 
god, no. Stop talking. Do you think he listens to our podcast? Absolutely not. I cannot right even imagine him listening. He would just be like, these idiots. All I can imagine is growing old with him and hating him at the He's same time. He's already old. Love, There's not much hate. more room to grow. <laughs> I'm just growing old. He's just dying. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, don't forget to keep it spooky and make it sweet. Happy Happy haunting. haunting.